0: Wire to Wire is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Ticket prices drop right before the game starts, and because GameTime tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, they're able to show you the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. This is Thanksgiving week, and Thanksgiving rings in the holiday season. There are few gifts better than tickets to a game, a concert, a show, and you can find all of that on Game Time. It's not just sports. If you're into music plenty of concert tickets if you're into the theater tickets to all sorts of shows that you could be looking for the game time app is simple quick and easy to navigate download the game time app in the google play or app store and score last minute deals on tickets up to 60 percent off <laughs> as we turn the page to week 13, Thanksgiving week, the last week of your typical fantasy football regular season. We've got a whole lot going on in the football world this week and a whole lot to get to in this episode of Wire to Wire. Thank you for joining us. I am Michael Beller, joined as always by Brandon Bunston. Bunston, one week to go, then we turn the page to the playoffs. Things are definitely getting wild in the fantasy football world.
1: Yeah, no doubt. My uh, my number one kind of home league with all my buddies. Uh, we actually play through week seventeen, so I got two weeks to do some work, and I'm right on. I'm the sixth team right now in a you know six teams make the playoffs. So I got
0: I got to stay strong for two more weeks, and then uh, and then stay strong after that. Obviously, yeah. My uh, I'm in a similar situation. Are we uh, my home league? It ends this week, um, but five of the six teams have already qualified. Have already clinched their playoff berths. Three are eliminated. There is one spot left for two teams. I am one of those two teams, and I am playing the guy this week, week 13, who is up for the other uh, spot. Uh, so it's uh, it's already it's a playing Ooh. game for the two of us. It's uh, winner moves on to the playoffs. Loser goes home. So uh, a lot at stake here and I just want to say Ross Blumenfeld, you're going down, and you're going down hard in week thirteen.
1: <laughs> I think there's a good chance they're going to
0: move that to the national uh, to the national game. Yeah, right. It should be. We should get the uh, the flex uh, spotlight for sure. I would. Uh, I would certainly hope so. Hopefully, everyone out there can uh, can watch this game between me and Ross. Uh, but hopefully, you guys all out there in your leagues, especially your home leagues, are uh, are maybe in better spots than Brandon and I. Maybe you've already secured your berths. If you have, congratulations. If you haven't, maybe you'll find the key to your uh, playoff berth here in this episode of wire to wire follow Brandon on Twitter at Brandon Funston. you can follow me also on Twitter at M Beller. If you are listening in the free universe, first of all, thank you for listening, please rate, review, subscribe to the show. It does help us. We really appreciate you taking that minute or two to do those three things. And if you are interested in a subscription to the athletic for yourself, makes a great holiday gift for someone else. Go ahead and check out the athletic dot com slash wire to wire where you'll get yourself 40 percent off an annual subscription to this fine fine website every friday check out brandon and eric wong on dunks and dimes for all you fantasy basketballers out there uh, anything on tap for uh, for this coming week already brandon
1: uh, i i actually it's sort of a surprise we have a special uh thanksgiving week edition um and i will leave it at that i'll tease it that it's something <laughs> completely different but uh I think people that are into fantasy basketball will especially enjoy it.
0: Beautiful. I like that. I'm I'm, going to have to tune in now. I'm going to have to take some time out (laughs) of my Thanksgiving weekend to make sure I listen to this one.
1: I, I think that's uh it's a wise thing for you to do. You won't be disappointed.
0: <laughs> uh, check out dunks and dimes every Friday here at the athletic and don't be, uh, don't miss out on this uh, special Thanksgiving week episode that Brandon and Eric have planned. We're ready to talk about the waiver wire. Now, as always, if you are a subscriber, check out Jake Seeley's waiver column. That will be available to you midnight Eastern on Monday night, we, as we say every single week, it is a great companion for this or with this show where Jake can go a little bit deeper with his written form of this than we can in the spoken form. So be sure to pair that. With this, get your waiver wire covered from every single angle. We're gonna start out with our top three plays on the waiver wire. Three running backs, three guys who we've talked about to varying degrees this season, one who we just discussed last week. Funston, I was surprised to see Bo Scarborough have an ownership rate that made him still eligible for what we do here on wire to wire. I would have thought after last week that he would have been up in the you know fifty-five, sixty five percent owned range, but still down right around forty percent. So we're gonna make him our top play on the waiver wire, 18 carries for 98 yards in week 12.
1: Yeah, it could be all the people that listen to me kind of poo poo him as, like, oh, you know, it doesn't catch passes. Detroit Lions, haven't we kind of been through the Trey Carson and, uh, you know, uh, Ty Johnson? Which, Ty Johnson, thank you. All the guys that we kind of have talked about just pop up seemingly week to week on the wire to wire. And, uh, and I, you know, I was just kind of like, I was, I think, I was a little bit uh, fatigue with that, but um, give credit to Bo Scar- Scarborough. Went out and had 18 carries, 98 yards. Um, it's two two good weeks in a row. He's clearly their their lead guy, and uh, I don't love the upcoming schedule. You got Chicago, Minnesota, and Tampa, but this guy's a you know he's a physical straight line runner, and uh, if they're going to commit to him with this kind of workload. You know, you're always going to have a chance for serviceable rushing totals, and then maybe like he did not you know two weeks ago, he's going to sneak one into the end zone. So uh, I think he, at worst, merits just being on your on your roster as insurance for one of your top couple of running backs. But you know. Uh, maybe he will change your mind about that going forward. Maybe you're not in such a luxury situation that, you know, he even is a, is a bench guy. Maybe you, you need a guy that's going to get you 15-plus carries each week and give you some rushing numbers and occasional touchdown.
0: Yeah, 32 carries over the last two weeks. That right there uh, makes him someone who I think we want to put um, into uh, the priority section of our waiver wire uh, a pri- uh, a look this week, certainly here. Um, you know, he's, he's doing it and he's not doing it at the Kalen Balaj level, right? He's not getting 32 touches for 30 yards. He's getting 32 touches and he's making something of it. And that makes uh, certainly uh, for a running back who should be owned in pretty much all competitive fantasy leagues, even if you don't think you're going to throw him right into your starting lineup this week. Even if he is, as you said, Brandon, just an insurance policy for one of your regular starters, you got to have that heading into the playoffs. And maybe he is the key to getting. Getting you a win that you need in week 13 to get into the playoffs. Both Scarborough unquestionably the top back in Detroit. Even without that passing game utility. Our top play on the waiver wire for week 13. Secondly, we turn to Benny Snell in Pittsburgh. Uh, made his return from injury in week 12 and led the Steelers backfield with 21 carries for 98 yards. Yes, it was a great matchup with Cincinnati. Yes, if and when James Conner is able to return, we would expect uh, Snell's fantasy value to be all but zeroed out. But hey, we're still not exactly sure where James Conner stands for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Maybe he misses another game. Maybe he misses two more games. And this is a team that doesn't necessarily have a bad uh, schedule coming up like the Lions do. They get the Browns in week 13, the Cardinals in week 14. For me, Funston, I'm down on Snell compared with Scarborough because of the fact that His role isn't quite as secure as Scarborough's is. But if we knew his role was secure, that's a one and one A. Maybe even I like Snell a little bit better.
1: Yeah, I think it's a little bit of a comparable situation in that, you know, we kind of keep talking about these Pittsburgh backs with Trey Edmonds and Betty Snell and Jalen Samuels, and no one seems to really be sticking. And then there's James Conner, who I didn't think was too far away from playing uh, this week. I think originally at the beginning of the week, there was some optimism that he could. Uh, which makes me think that, ah, this probably won't be anything more than maybe one more, uh, DMP. I know from inside injuries, uh, their, their report on his, his injury initially was that at, after a couple weeks, it's just really about a pain management issue that, uh, this isn't like a long-term kind of worry sort of injury. Um, and so. I'm 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 kind of wondering if James Conner will at least be out there in Week 14. So it's worth a, especially if you're a James Conner owner, it's worth going out there and grabbing Benny Snell just to kind of give yourself a handcuff insurance on that. Um, but yeah, it's a little bit convoluted, and it's been that way. And, and now at least we know that they're not super comfortable with Jalen Samuels being the, the full lead back. That they, they kind of view him more as a hybrid and and change a pace guy and someone they use a little bit differently and and definitely in the passing game. But uh, if it's not going to be James Conner, it's probably, you know, with Snell being healthy, it's going to be Snell.
0: If you are someone who is six and six and one win in week 13 is going to get you to the playoffs, would you rather have Scarborough or Snell?
1: Well, um, you know, Chicago hasn't been, I mean, they've, uh, you know, this last week excluded. I mean, they haven't been completely locked down. Mm -hmm. I, you know, with no, with no uh, PPR upside really for either one of them, I might actually go with Scarborough.
0: Okay, yeah, the Bears' pad, the, the Bears' run D hasn't been great since losing Akeem Hicks, and they did do a good job on yeah. Saquon Barkley, but. I don't know. I think that might have just as much to do with the Giants offense as it had to do with the Bears defense in week 12. Uh, So uh, I could certainly see Scarborough getting going against the Bears. Remember, that is a short week uh, for both those teams. That is the first game of three on Thanksgiving Day, Lions and Bears again. And uh, on behalf of the entire city of Chicago, I apologize to the rest of the country uh, for the Bears yet again being scheduled on Thanksgiving Day I know it's probably not the way you want to start your Thanksgiving but uh, you know maybe Bo Scarborough uh, out there will do uh, do a, do some work for his fantasy owners and you can get by on that Funston let's go out to your neck of the woods and talk about our third guy uh, the final of our top three plays on the waiver wire it is Rashad penny who outplayed Chris Carson in week 12 Carson's uh, let the uh, let the ball go put the ball on the ground yet again that has been an issue for him this season seemed to get over it but a key fumble yesterday against the Eagles Rashad Penny played more from that point forward and played well 14 carries for 129 yards a long touchdown run at this point going into week 13 do we view Rashad Penny as more than a handcuff to Chris Carson
1: Man, I, it's a tough call. Uh, look at I've I've been on record as saying that Chris Carson is the identity of the Seattle Seahawks offense. He's a guy that they like to give him volume, and he, he he creates yards practically every time he touches the ball, even when there's nothing there. And and that's not really Penny. Penny can get to the edge a little bit better. He can, he's a more of a breakaway threat when he does see daylight. But you can you can see the difference on if they're given the same runs between the tackles. Uh, Penny's just not nearly as effective as Chris Carson is. So, I you know, I've always kind of shot down this idea that Penny would be a, a guy that was a complete threat to taking over Carson. But one thing they hate more than anything else, and most coaches do as well, is turnovers and ball security. And Chris Carson, I mean, he's had seven fumbles this year he's only he's lost four of them but uh you know there was two there was two plays in a row with Russell Wilson and Chris Carson where they uh you know where that was an issue they put the ball on the ground and that was late in that game and um I think there's something to it I think there we might see something more than just a handcuff kind of role for Penny uh at least this week and we'll see if Chris Carson can kind of get himself out of the doghouse a little bit but I think we might see an even split uh, against Minnesota and if Penny can you know if Penny can continue to have success maybe he can continue to grow that role from there
0: yeah it's uh a, it's a more of a speculative play perhaps than what we've talked about with Snell and Scarborough but we know what Penny's ceiling is we saw it on display in the win over the Eagles, and if he is someone who's going to get 10-plus carries, 10-plus opportunities per week, then he could be uh, on that flex radar every single week for the last few weeks of the season here. Again, one, one regular season week for most of us, and then the playoffs begin For most of us in week 14, Rashad Penny rounding out our look at the top plays on the waiver wire for week 13, along with Bo Scarborough and Benny Snell. We now move on to our position by position look. Of course, we start at the running back position so we can flow right from Scarborough, Snell and Penny to Daryl Williams. Now the play here with Daryl Williams is based on injuries suffered back in week 11 to Damian Williams and LaShawn McCoy. Damian Williams had a rib injury, LaShawn McCoy a concussion. They both had to leave that Chiefs week 11 game in Mexico City against the Chargers. Of course, they both had the buy to recover and have another week or so to get ready for the week 13 matchup with the Raiders. Gotta believe Daryl Williams, whatever fantasy value he does have, Funston is short-term Neither injury uh, to uh, Damian Williams or LaShawn McCoy is going to keep him out all season. But again, if we're just looking strictly at week 13, is Williams up with Snell and Scarborough? Is he comfortably behind those guys? Where do you put him, uh, even though we know or we're not likely to know what the situation is with Damian Williams and LaShawn McCoy going into our waiver bids?
1: Yeah, I'd be very interested in him if, you know, you look at what he's done this year. He's had he's had limited touches, but three games he's had double-digit touches. And any in each of those three games, you would have wanted him in your fantasy lineup. I mean, this is a lucrative offense, and it's all about opportunity back there. And really, you kind of add together what they've all done. It's been a nice backfield, but it's been just kind of – you know, split up so often, but if you know going in that Darrell Williams is a good chance for 10 plus touches, uh, look at the last time out week 11, he had a touchdown and uh, you know, 40 some yards, but overall, but that, you know, back in week three and week four back to back weeks he had over a hundred yards, one week had a couple touchdowns the next week. So um there is there is intrigue for me if it looks like Williams and McCoy aren't going to be 100% and Oakland you know they were good against running backs early in the season they've kind of wilted a little bit in that department there Casey's at home I would definitely be interested in Daryl Williams at least as a one-week play in week 13.
0: Yeah I mean if the problem is we're not going to know right I mean if we knew that Damian Williams and McCoy were out I'd rather have him in week 13 than Scarborough or Snow.
1: Yeah, I, I totally I totally agree with that. Yeah. yeah right. It's just it's that just, it's 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 just that offense. It's the it's yeah. the environment.
0: Yeah. yeah. But the unknown makes it harder to put more of a, a value on him than those guys because we at least know what those guys or have a good feel we know what Scarborough's gonna be. We have a good feeling what Snell's gonna be, uh, assuming that Connor can't get back. Williams I mean there's a chance that Damian Williams and LaShawn McCoy play and Daryl Williams is back to you know being totally non-existent in the offense so that's what makes uh, this one tough that's why we have him a step below but if we do get some word uh, the rest of the day Monday or on Tuesday or if your your waiver processing deadline is a little bit later than that even and we get some word that one or both of uh, Damian Williams or McCoy is looking iffy for this week then Daryl Williams certainly shoots up our priority list here and joins those guys as one of the top plays on the waiver wire this week how about Raheem Mostert Funston uh, six carries for 45 yards and a touchdown in the 49ers win over the Packers got three targets caught one of them for 22 yards we know what he is when Matt Breida or Tevin Coleman is out. He steps right into that second running back role with the other guy and gets plenty of work in what is a run-based, very effective offense. We've seen him pop off for a couple of big games this season. We saw it last season, and Matt Breida really wasn't very close to playing uh, because of his ankle injury this past week. It was pretty much doubtful all week. week. Week 13 brings a matchup with the Baltimore Ravens. Where does he fall in the pecking order at running back for you, Funston?
1: Yeah, I just wonder, you know, they're not getting a whole lot uh out of Tevin Coleman. I wonder if there's just a little bit more uh opportunity going forward for this for this backup running back. And if it's Mostert, uh then I guess for Mostert, you know, he's had on six carries more rushing yards than, than Coleman's had on any of his past four games, where he's basically been, you know, double digit carries in three or four of those games and nine in the other. So um I I, I've always had interest in that second running back in San Francisco. This is another situation like Kansas city where the overall environment is ripe and uh, there's big play opportunities and monster particularly has been a highly like fantasy points per touch. He's been, he's been stellar in that regard. So I have monster rostered already in, in a, in a few leagues, uh, everywhere where I had Matt breed, I had an, an ability to just add monster and keep them both. And I, I, it's how much I think about that second spot. Um, I'm probably at this point, it's probably been more, uh, an, an idea of something good than actually something that has come mm-hmm. to fruition in that, in that respect. But, um, I still like it. Uh, I don't love the the matchups the next couple of weeks at Baltimore right. and at New Orleans. But for someone like, you know, Monster, they're, they're going to throw to their running backs a bit. So there's still potential for them to help you out in a PPR sense.
0: Yeah. And then Atlanta week 15, Rams week 16. So the uh, remaining schedule doesn't look great for San Francisco and definitely cloudier even more if uh, Brita is able to get back. That could uh, totally zero out Mostert's value. But for the time being, he is someone who you're going to want to go after this week. Definitely could factor into the mix, even with a matchup against Baltimore in Week 13. Our final running back to discuss here is Naheem Hines. We knew he was going to be maintaining his pass game role with Marlon Mack out because of his fractured hand. Got just three targets, though, in the Colts' loss to the Texans back on Thursday night. Caught two of them for 10 yards. I was a little surprised, Funston, by how much they used him in the running game. Nine carries for 51 yards. That alongside Jonathan Williams, who had another uh, big game on the ground. That's two straight big games for uh, Jonathan Williams. We know that he's going to be the lead runner for as long as Marlon Mack is out. Is there enough meat on the bone here for Naeem Hines to factor in, or is this really just a Desperation dart throw if you can't get any of the other running backs that we've talked about yet.
1: Yeah, I honestly think it's more of the latter. Uh, you know, and Jordan Wilkins was back, but maybe they withheld him a little bit since it's his first game back, and Jonathan Williams has been running so well. But I just wonder going forward if those will be Jordan Wilkins' carries that Naheem Hines got. Um, because I think there's going to be a role for Wilkins in this, you know, in this current environment without Marlon Mack, and so. Uh, I feel pretty good that, that Jonathan Williams has played himself into that lead, uh, you know, ground game back. But I think Jordan Wilkins is probably uh, the next guy in, in that regard. And that Naheem Hines is more of just a traditional third down back. And And I would expect that to kind of settle in that way going forward. So I think what you said where it's, yeah, you know what, I didn't get into those other guys. Might as well see if, if something comes of this, but I'm not really, you know, I'm not really expecting it to happen.
0: Yep, We're on the same page there. Uh, Like we said, we uh, we always want to give you all the guys that you might be considering, even if we're not backing them. We are not really backing Naheem Hines as someone who you should be going after with any sort of aggressiveness this week. We'll list our handcuffs at this position again. If they're somehow still sitting out there, you want to get them now heading into the playoffs. Alexander Madison, Tony Pollard, Reggie Bonafon, Raekwon Armstead, Gus Edwards, Wayne Gulman, Daryl Henderson, Malcolm Brown. Look, the best case scenario is that you never play these guys if you have them, assuming that you have the starter. But you need to insure yourself against a Dalvin Cook, Ezekiel Elliott, uh, 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 Leonard Fournette, I'm blanking on Leonard Fournette for a second there, uh, Christian McCaffrey, Mark Ingram. Saquon Barkley injury you have to protect yourself against them if you have those guys so be sure to grab their handcuffs now we move on to our wide receivers and here I just want to mention we're not going to really talk about any wide receiver streamers so if you're wondering you know where's Taylor Gabriel how come you guys didn't mention him where's Anthony Miller why didn't you mention him we're not going to talk about that we don't have the time to get into it that again that's why we say be sure to pair this episode of where to Wire with Jake Seeley's waiver column he's able to get into those guys we're not going to talk about them. We're going to focus on more of the guys who maybe you're playing beyond this week, or maybe have even a higher ceiling for a week or two than guys like that. Funston, I know I don't have this guy listed first, but I do want to start with him. How about Randall Cobb? Another nice game out of Randall Cobb for the Cowboys in a game where they couldn't get anything going against the Patriots. Cobb got seven targets, caught four of them for 86 yards over his last four games, 20 catches on 30 targets for 342 yards and two touchdowns. For me, Funston, we've seen enough of him over the last month to feel very good about not only recommending him as someone you want to pick up on the waiver wire, but someone who you want to play uh, almost regardless of who the rest of your wide receivers are.
1: Yeah, no doubt. Uh, and he did it against New England, that 86 yards against New England. Uh, impressive. So then when you look at the the Bills, the Bears, the Rams, the Eagles coming up and you say, well, it's kind of a tough schedule. look okay. at I mean, he's kind of proven it in tough spots already. And he's a slot receiver, you know, and, and The the best corners, you know, you got Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup and the guys on the outside in the the top team's top corners are going to be guarding, you know, be be taking those guys. If there's a shadow corner, they'll be taking Amari Cooper. um, And Randall Cobb, the way he you know, the way he can move horizontally across the field, he can he can put him almost anywhere, line him up anywhere, and kind of just find spaces for him to inhabit. And you know, that's going to continue to work. Look at Cole Beasley was a guy that made a name for himself in Dallas as Dak Prescott's slot receiver. Uh, Randall Cobb's, I think, a better version of that, and uh, he's showing it right now. And this guy's a veteran, and as long as he's healthy, we've always liked Randall Cobb. We just never liked the the health reports on him, you know, over mm-hmm. a duration of time. But Randall Cobb's a talented guy, and when he's healthy in this environment, I, I think you're going to see a lot more of what we just saw from him against the Patriots.
0: I'm with you, man. You look at those four teams, or at least the first three, maybe not the Eagles, but the first three that Dallas has coming up, and you can very easily name a standout corner on one of those teams. Bills, Tredavious White. Bears, Kyle Fuller. Rams, Jalen Ramsey. Guess how many snaps uh, Randall Cobb is going to play lined up across from those three guys? I think it's going to be zero right I mean that is yeah Amari Cooper is going to be the one seeing those guys maybe Michael Gallup is going to be seeing those guys but Randall Cobb is not going to see those guys Randall Cobb is probably going to have the best wide receiver corner matchup for Dallas in all of their next three games so that is huge for Randall Cobb going forward could be someone who not only has success here in week 13 but in the first couple of weeks of the playoffs as well and then uh, if you're still alive uh, this should be a great matchup for Dallas's passing game against Philadelphia. In week 16, since you mentioned Cole Beasley, how about we move on to him? He had himself a big game in week 12, caught six of nine targets for 76 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Cole Beasley, someone we've talked about a lot, Funston, on wire to wire this season. How do we feel about him going into the going into the last weekend of the regular season and then the playoffs? Are we thinking that he is more than what we've talked about this season or is he still just a really boomer bust, more PPR option kind of guy?
1: Yeah, I think he's probably closer to the ladder again. I think he's like a, you know, a middle class version of Randall Cobb. I mean, you're, you got the 76 yards and the touchdown out of him. That's kind of, I think, his ceiling. Um, But you're going to get a lot of 45 to 65 yard games. He's, he's, you know, he's kind of been fairly regularly consistent in that regard. And the the interesting thing is he has a touchdown in four of his last six games, which uh, sort of surprises me. But I just think he's a limited, upside guy that when you plug him in though it's because you know what colby's he'll give me something you know mm-hmm. especially in a, in a ppr league um you're like well i'm probably going to get at least at least four catches and at least you know maybe 50 yards and if i get lucky i'll get a touchdown and i i kind of feel like that's how you have to look at him and in some weeks you get a you know you get some injuries or something um in some weeks that's still going to be valuable for you
0: Yeah, uh, the, the big problem with Cole Beasley for me is that after the Cowboys this week, a really tough playoff schedule for this entire Bills offense. Ravens in week 14, Steelers in week 15. Patriots in week 16 the Patriots have had their worst performances against wide receivers uh, coming out of the slot and Cole Beasley is one of those guys the first time that the Bills and Patriots uh, met each other who put up one of those better games but it still wasn't like it was a banner game it was what exactly what you said where you're getting the Cole Beasley floor and that is fine if that's all you need but probably not a huge ceiling for Cole Beasley In the fantasy playoffs with matchups against Baltimore, Pittsburgh, and New England. Let's go to a Pittsburgh receiver, Funston. How about James Washington? Uh, Caught three of seven targets for 98 yards and a long touchdown in Week 12. That long touchdown coming from Devlin Hodges. I got to believe after what we've seen from Mason Rudolph the last couple of weeks and the fact that they pulled him and Hodges immediately connected with James Washington for that long touchdown, that it's going to be Devlin Hodges as the starter for week 13 against the Cleveland Browns. And, you know, the, the AFC, a very top heavy conference, but suddenly these teams, Pittsburgh and Cleveland are both in the playoff discussion this is an important game for the Steelers against the Browns this week Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster likely to make his return for this team where do we put James Washington in the wide receiver packing order are we like I don't think we're liking him better than Randall Cobb but where does he rank against the rest of this uh, of this position if you need some help uh, in the short term
1: yeah not as high as Cobb but higher than Beasley Um, this is a guy that's got you know as we talk about ceiling he's got he's got a you know, a ceiling, he had 98 yards and a touchdown. He had 90 yards and a touchdown a couple weeks ago against the Rams. Um, You know, he's had, you know, 69 yards before that. Basically 69 yards are better in three of his last four games. Uh, That's, that's very solid wide receiver production. Um, So we're starting to see him kind of emerge and we've always talked about him as a nice vertical talent. And, um, and so, yeah, I, I think, I'm I I definitely like him more than Cole Beasley. I just don't. I can't tell you. I, I he's still a, a fair gap away from Randall Cobb, but I think he deserves to be owned in twelve team leagues.
0: Yeah, same here. After the Browns, they get the Cardinals in Week fourteen. They get the Jets in Week sixteen. So those are matchups. So you could certainly be using James Washington with some confidence in the playoffs. Should you uh, should you advance to the postseason and then make it all the way to your championship game, James Washington has the ceiling. And again, uh, we got to believe that Devlin Hodges would be an upgrade for this entire offense from what we've seen out of Mason Rudolph since he has been the starter. In Pittsburgh, let's consider a couple of New England receivers here. Funston, Nikhil Harry, and Jacoby Myers. Nikhil Harry had uh, one hell of a touchdown catch. It was his only catch in Week 12. Uh, Jacoby Myers got nine targets, caught four of them for 74 yards. The problem here is that we can only really count on these guys to have any sort of fantasy-relevant role, uh, so long as Mohamed Sanu and Philip Dorsett are out. Mohamed Sanu has an ankle injury, Philip Dorsett a concussion if these guys come back if even one of them comes back it's going to be hard to trust either Harry or Myers right i mean i think i've got the right read on that situation
1: yeah and it's too bad because you have the Texans the Chiefs and the Bengals that's a fantastic run of opponents for receivers um but i'm with you and Sanu and Dorset's injuries uh, Dorset with the concussion Sanu with the ankle injury i don't think either one of them were considered long term and i think even up to you know up to the weekend they were talking that Sanu could could maybe play. Um, so I would expect that there's a good chance that at least one of these guys is out there. Um, I think when you talk about especially Harry, where I think the discussion is more about 2020. I right think at this point, this is just kind of like experience, uh, the feather in his cap that's going to help him be a guy that's going to be a, uh, you know, a serious player in this offense in 2020 and beyond. So, uh, I don't expect any kind of consistency here. I don't expect any kind of a hugely elevated role down the stretch for him. I just think this is the Patriots letting him get his feet wet and using him in, in situations that maybe can be completely advantageous for them without having to use him a whole, whole lot. So uh, I'm, I'm with you on that. I think that uh, they're dependent upon the, the shelves being bare in New England when it comes to the injuries and stuff.
0: Yeah, I think we've got that one pegged correctly. This is uh, something where Mohamed Sanu, Philip Dorsett come back and both those guys end up being... Uh, not really in our fantasy plan. So no matter what they did in week 12, probably not going to be a factor for you in week 13 or the rest of the season. Now, someone who could be, uh, maybe not in week 13, but uh, he could be in week 13 and definitely could be in the fantasy playoffs is Darius Slayton. Got seven targets despite the return of Sterling Shepard in week 12, caught four balls for 67 yards against a Bears pass defense that uh, still has been very good with everything else around it in Chicago crumbling. That pass defense has stood strong this season. Gets Green Bay in week 13, but then after that, listen to this playoff schedule of Funston. Eagles, Dolphins, Redskins. We could be talking about the Giants quite a bit as a sneaky play situation in the fantasy playoffs, and Darius Slayton, with what he's done later later in the year so far, uh, could be a guy who we uh, like quite a bit in our fantasy playoff lineups
1: yeah I think uh, of all the guys we talked about, I, this is the guy I put closest to Randall Cobb. Uh, I'd put him ahead of James Washington. I love that schedule, as you mentioned after this coming week. I think there's something to the fact that Daniel Jones and Darius Slayton are both rookies. you know, they talk about the times you know that the rookies get together and sometimes they're they develop a chemistry. I think there's something there to that. Uh, certainly seems like Daniel Jones likes Darius Slayton an awful lot when he's out there. Uh, We've seen him be targeted 15 times in a game. He's had two games where he's had multiple touchdowns. Uh, And here you are with Sterling Shepard back and Golden Tate out there. He still gets seven targets. So um, to me, that speaks well to how the quarterback feels about this guy. And he's, uh, you know, he's kind of justifying his faith in him. And I think when you get to Philadelphia, Miami, and Washington, we're going to see – you know, we're going to see some more solid production out of him. And, uh, again, so, I, you know, I'm, I'm going Randall Cobb and then not probably too far behind him going Darius Slayton here.
0: Yeah, Evan Ingram, if he's able to get back from his foot injury, could complicate matters. But, again, Slayton has delivered. Uh, they, the Daniel Jones keeps going back to him, doing it alongside Sterling Shepard and Golden Tate. Got to believe he's got a role in this offense the rest of the season. A couple of boomer bus guys I want to hit on here, Funston, John Ross, and A.J. Brown. John Ross likely to make his return from IR in Week 13, AJ Brown. We've seen it all season, right? He has monster games. He has nothing games. He had one of those monster games in Week 12, catching four passes for 135 yards and a touchdown. We know that this is you're not going to be able to count on reliability from either of these two. But how would you prioritize them? Would you go after John Ross first, or would you go after AJ Brown first if you knew, or if you even if you were comfortable adding a volatile player like this to your roster?
1: Uh, I, I think I would I would uh, prioritize them based upon their quarterback, and for me, uh, that's going to lead me to AJ Brown or Ryan Tannehill, who's who's been playing pretty well. I just don't think a whole lot of what I've seen of Ryan Finley so far. I mean, obviously he's young and inexperienced, you got to cut him some slack there, but I don't think he's the future in Cincinnati, and so, and I don't love him as a pairing for John Ross and his uh, vertical abilities. I would I would go with AJ Brown mm-hmm. who you know, has been in the lineup all year long, which is a feather in his cap compared to John Ross, who I don't Mm -hmm. think you can count on that. The guy is guys, you know, a quick out often. And so, and when it comes to durability and AJ Brown's had, uh, you know, he's had, he's had a decent season, but I honestly, like it's hard to play these guys in the playoffs because you can literally get a zero from them. And that's, that's just really hard. I mean, that's kind of something you can't really afford. So, uh to me these guys these guys are um you know the bottom of the list for me just because of that volatility,
0: yeah, for me, where they factor in is if you are. Someone who is like a, is a, is the sixth seed in your playoffs, right? Is one of the last teams to get into the playoffs. You're, you make it to the semifinals. You're going up against the one seed. This is a stacked team. You know, you need some upside from some position, right? You know, you you can't play a Cole Beasley.
1: Your team projection is showing you down 40 points or something like that. Exactly.
0: And you can't, and you can't lend Cole Beasley's four for 50 might be good for the guy you're playing, but it's not going to be good for you. And you need someone who can pop four for 135 and a touchdown. And that's really where these guys come in for me. So uh, if I am someone who is tracking toward the playoffs, but is going to be one of the lower seeds, and if I'm being honest with myself, have one of the worst playoff teams in my league, then I like one of these guys knowing that I'm going to need some big games from unexpected players to advance in my playoffs. If I'm not in that situation, if I'm comfortably in the playoffs, I'm, I'm sitting at 10-2 and two in my league, then I probably don't re- really worry too much about guys like A.J. Brown or John Ross. Um, How about McCole Hardman and Demarcus Robinson, Funston? This is really based off of Tyreek Hill. Last time we saw him, he was uh, sitting out most of the uh, second half, maybe all the second half, against the Chargers back in Week 11 because of a hamstring injury. But this is all just about Tyreek Hill missing time. You're not going to be able to count on McCole Hardman or Demarcus Robinson if Tyreek Hill is back this week. That's why, for me, these guys are the last guys I would claim. Of all the receivers we've talked about, these two are the last ones I would claim.
1: Yeah, and I would I would prioritize them as as Hardman ahead of Robinson. I think mm-hmm. we've seen that uh, you know early on was Robinson who kind of stood out, but then man, Hardman's just making plays after plays after plays with limited opportunities. And when that opportunity uh, you know share increases, it's just even you know even more likely that he's we're going to see one of those big plays from him. So what does he have? He has five touchdowns this year. Um, five touchdowns on 23 catches. That's a, that's a pretty incredible rate Mm -hmm. of uh, success and a lot of big plays along the way. So uh, to me, this is, again, you talk about those boom, bust guys with Hardman. I think it's, it's even better than that because I think that with, with, you know, volume uh, he's a lot safer than a guy like an AJ Brown or a John Ross.
0: Yeah. uh, I'm with you completely. And uh, you know, five, five touchdowns on 23. what do you say? 23 catches or 23 targets, 23 catches.
1: Twenty-three
0: catches. Yeah, so five five touches and twenty-three catches when you have Hardman's skill set is not an accident, right? I mean, that is something that is kind of bankable because of his deep playability, because of his speed when he gets the ball in space. Uh, so he's another one of those guys who, if Tyreek Hill is out, maybe fits into that. I need some uh, I need some upside on my roster, uh, so maybe I go after McCole Hardman. One more guy I want to hit on. Don't want to spend too much time on him though. Uh, he's getting a little long here. Russell Gage. Uh, for me, he's like a, a lesser cole beasley that's basically where i put russell gage if i'm looking for that brand of player i'm going for cole beasley first and then russell gage second where are you on gage
1: uh is he just muhammad sanu when when sanu was in atlanta yeah Yeah, i mean you know and i feel like you know he had the the 10 targets eight catches 76 yards that's a nice game but it was against tampa and it was also in a game where they were the game script was completely pushing uh that kind of a those kind of numbers so um so the, the the stars sort of aligned for this, and that's what you got. You got 76 yards and no touchdown. I just, yeah, I'm with you. I think Cole Beasley is going to be safer week to week. Uh, in the perfect environment, maybe Russell Gage has a smidge higher upside, but you're probably rarely going to see that. And so, um, yeah, I, I would probably go Cole Beasley as well.
0: Perfectly said. Don't think we need to spend any more time there. We can move on to our last position. It is the tight end position, Funston, and I want to start first with David Njoku, likely to make his return in Week 13. We can't say for sure that he will, but uh, he's off IR. Uh, He was practicing for the Browns last week. Does sound like he's going to be able to get on the field for their big matchup with the Steelers this week. Uh, We talk about tight ends the same, right, every single week. We know who is a for-sure starter. We know who is a touchdown upside, and that's it. Isn't Njoku, let's say he's fully healthy. Where does he fall for you? Is he closer to that first group of guys, or is he closer to that second group, uh, winging a prayer? Let's hope for a touchdown.
1: I think he drive a nail right in the middle of those two groups, and that's where Injoku is. I think he's he's safer than that that those back end guys you're talking about. Uh, I don't think he belongs in the Mark Andrews, Darren Waller, um, you know, those guys that we've just come to rely on. But um, he was a guy that was emerging uh, before, you know coming into this year before he got hurt, uh, he was a guy that was on the right trajectory and he's got a world of talent and uh, just worry that he's a little bit of like the next Chris Herndon. Right. Uh, but I, I, you know, you got the Bengals, you got the Cardinals coming up after the Steelers. I think he's worth adding. I wouldn't play him this week. I would just more like add him and watch and see how things go against the Steelers. But if there's any kind of uh glimmer of hope in that one, then, you know, you turn him loose against the Bengals and the Cardinals and you feel kind of good about them the upside there
0: yeah you might love having him on your roster those first two weeks of the playoffs uh, with those Bengals and Cardinals matchups that's something that he could definitely even though we know Odell Beckham Jarvis Landry Kareem Hunt Nick Chubb those guys have their locked in roles in Cleveland's offense there still might be enough to go around with matchups against Cincinnati and Arizona that David Njoku shows up in a meaningful way at the tight end position Uh, getting official word that uh, Eric Ebron is being moved to IR for the rest of the season. Does that graduate Jack Doyle from a streamer to a semi-consistent, reliable, low-end tight end one? Or are we still thinking maybe just a streamer with better uh, week-to-week projectability?
1: No, I think I think with Ebron out, I think he is a – I think I would feel good about him being my tight end going forward. Like I, I feel like there is a strong enough possibility he's going to get me, you know, 40, 50 yards as kind of a floor uh, – with regularity there's not probably not going to be a whole lot more for a ceiling but i think he's kind of going to be a guy that's going to be consistent for you in that kind of capacity
0: three more guys i want to lump together funston and uh, if it feels like we're blowing through the tight end position it's because it's the tight end position and we kind of are we sort of know what all these guys are ryan griffin noah fant and mike Gisicki. Uh, we've seen these three guys um, over the last couple of weeks have their games one guy who's been somewhat consistent for me is Ryan Griffin, and that's why he's the one who I would be prioritizing among these three. If I had to trust one to start every single week the rest of the season, it would be Ryan Griffin. I will say that Mike Gasicki does have a very nice uh, role here uh, in terms of schedule. Eagles, Jets, Giants, Bengals, the last four weeks of the fantasy season. I rank them Griffin, Gasicki, Fant. Where are you on these three?
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, I'll go Griffin – I Griffin. I don't know. I'm not sure where I'm at with Fant and Gasicki. I think I might still go Fant over Gasicki, but I'm okay. with you on Griffin. I'm on, I'm with you on Griffin at number one. And he's got the Bengals and the Dolphins the next two weeks. So I feel pretty good about his schedule mm-hmm. too. But he's been the most consistent. Sam Darnold's starting to look like uh, he's finding a little bit of a groove. And uh, yeah, I, I, Griffin's been a guy that even though he didn't have a huge week, he did find the end zone again. So that's all we're asking from tight ends. Find the end zone or give us something that we can work with. And and that's what he's been doing on a consistent basis.
0: A few big games, too, in, uh, in terms of yardage. And even though touchdowns don't feel very predictable, at least compared with yards, receptions, targets, Griffin does have a meaningful role in the Jets' offense. So just having that role, having that secured role, does mean that he is more likely to hit on his touchdown upside than I think Fant or Gasicki are. For their teams, that's why I like him the best of those last three guys. Funston, you mentioned Sam Darnold. I'm just going to take that and run with it as our quarterbacks to stream. He would be my number one guy here. Jets headed to Cincinnati to take on the Bengals this week. I look up and down this list, I do see a good uh, a, a number of quarterbacks who I'd be comfortable streaming and starting here in Week 13 at least four guys who I would feel pretty decent about as my starting quarterback in week 13. I know you're going to say one of the others, but Darnold easily my favorite because I think he's just the best quarterback of those four guys who I am referencing. He's had three really strong fantasy games in a row, two I would say in a row that have been really good real-life games too. For that, his draft pedigree, the weapons he's got around him, the matchup with Cincinnati, it all adds up to a really good game out of Sam Darnold. Forget about just a streamer. I think he might end up being a top 10 quarterback in week 13.
1: Yeah, I like that. It's a very good call. Uh, you love the matchup and you know Sam Darnold coming in on a roll like that. Uh, I will mention Nick Foles. I will hope that he's one of the guys that you were considering uh, as a good streamer as well. Uh, and my, my bad for last week. I, I mentioned him here, and he didn't throw for a touchdown. He did throw for 272 yards, and here's the thing I like. The last two weeks, he's had 47 and 48 pass attempts. He, they're throwing the ball. This, de- this defense isn't playing great. And, oh, by the way, you get Tampa. And Tampa is, if you look at every game Tampa's played, every one of them has been a almost a, well, maybe with the exception of one, has been a scoring bonanza. Like they're pushing, they're pushing uh, you know, 50 plus points seemingly week in and week out with the over-under. Um, and so, and they're also the second most giving in fantasy to the quarterback position. So I don't think Nick Foles with that kind of volume is gonna come away without touchdown passes uh in this coming week. So I feel good about him getting another. Uh, he's been oh, 272 was was his yardage total last week. I think he can he can at least uh, you know get to that again, uh, but with multiple touchdowns and something that it would be very useful for you if you needed a quarterback to kind of clinch your playoff positioning.
0: Yeah, Foles was definitely one of the other guys I was considering the other two. Ryan Tannehill coming off a monster game for the Titans. Uh, Titans visit the Colts this week in what is uh, now another huge game, uh, both in the uh, AFC South race and the Wild Card race in the AFC. And then Kyle Allen, the Panthers get that cushy mashup at home against Washington this week. I think you're doing just fine if you are streaming Darnold, Foles, Tannehill, or Kyle Allen in week 13. Let's flip this over to defenses. Funston, who's your favorite defense to stream in week 13?
1: Uh, Carolina has been a mixed bag this year, but you look at every game they've won. Their defense in fantasy has scored uh, double digit points. Uh, they're at home this week. And we always like the home defense against the young, inexperienced quarterback that might might be turnover prone. I think that fits Dwayne Haskins to a T. You bit. look at this Redskins uh, team last week, they, they gave up three sacks, a fumble recovery, or gave up a fumble, and they also threw an interception. And that was a good week for this offense. So uh, I think that if that's your baseline, uh, I think the Carolina Panthers are in a great position to do even better than that this week.
0: Yeah, I think they're probably the top um... – relatively easily selection because of the matchup uh, against Washington and and it's not the greatest week on the defense stream. Again, just looking at teams that are within a percentage point or two, 40% owned or, or, or less. If they're you 41-42, know, we would be including them here as well. It's not the best week to be streaming a defense. Uh, so I think Carolina, uh, because of that matchup with Washington, getting it at home, they're going to be huge favorites. That's definitely the right sort of formula for a streaming defense. I'll actually pick on an offense that I've liked a bit this season. Uh, I'm going to go to Kansas City as my team to stream against the Oakland Raiders. Um, This is uh, an offense that hasn't looked great the last couple of weeks uh, against teams that we thought they'd be able to get going against, uh, Cincinnati and the New York Jets. Now they have to go to Kansas City, another game where they're going to be comfortable underdogs. Kansas City's going to be big favorites in that game. Uh, We've seen uh, Kansas City and Steve Spagnuolo really dial up the pressure um, in recent weeks, it's a it's a defense that isn't going to suffocate teams, so they uh, need to be able to get home against the quarterback. They do have the ability to do that. We've seen that in some of their recent matchups. The one against the Chargers definitely stands out. Obviously, Phillip Rivers, uh, not very mobile. Derek Carr is going to be able to avoid some of those rushes that Phillip Rivers wasn't able to, but this is a team that has dialed up its pass rush and has found more success uh, with the additional blitzing and with the additional Uh, disguising of what they want to do defensively. There's always a big play on the table when you're able to get home to the quarterback. Uh, You add that all up, you add in the fact that the Chiefs are going to be big favorites playing at home, it all uh, comes together for me as a defense that I would like to stream in Week 13. So we recommend Carolina, we recommend Kansas City. Outside of that, maybe Green Bay against the Giants, maybe the Chargers against the Broncos. Those are both teams playing on the road, Uh, but you see how uh, you really do take a step down, I think at least after we see Carolina and kansas city and with that we can put a bow on our week 13 edition of wire to wire thank you for listening thank you for being here with us every single week we hope you don't need any waiver wire plays to jump into your lineup and get you into the playoffs but if you do use what we've given you here and as always use jake Seely's waiver column if you don't have access to that because you're not a subscriber 40 off a subscription at theathleticcom slash wire to wire funston Happy Thanksgiving, my friend. Right back at you, my man. Have a great time thank you you too we of course will be back together one more time before thanksgiving on the ranking show be sure to check that out we will have a full ranking show for you even with the thanksgiving week we are not going away from you we are not abandoning you that will be out just as it always is with me brandon and jake Seely on wednesday we hope you listen to that as well thank you for listening to us here on wire to wire for brandon bunston i am michael beller have a great week and happy thanksgiving